He's teaching not just technology and entrepreneurship, but also teaching how to grow into an adult. Next on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong in Austin, Texas. Recently, I got a chance to hear from educator Scott Stewart in Chicago, Illinois. He's been teaching technology and business to students for nearly 20 years in Chicago public schools, in Chicago colleges, and in his own education business that he founded called Genius Lab for K-12 students. Scott Stewart's curriculum at Genius Lab features a range of topics, including mobile app development, starting a business, and social-emotional learning. Just before starting to record, we were talking about how Texas is all over the news today. You know, I um, I work really hard not to watch too much news, right? I don't mm-hmm. like watching news, right? I, I'm very, very focused on what I bring in to my mind, you know. Yeah. The news is... Uh, I have my I have some very strong opinions about that television program. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, that's correct. It's the first program is the news. And it's been the same format for as long as we've had television. And it's a format that pretty much works. You know, shock, you know, fear, right? You know, everything is killing you from lettuce to salmonella to SARS to mm-hmm, monkey mm-hmm. monkey bites and you know and so when you you asked if I'd aware was what's happening in Texas mm-hmm. you know if it gets to me it must be important one or it must be for me to know mm-hmm. and so I did get a chance to to uh, see you know a few of the new laws that went into place uh, down in Texas. It's, uh, out of the 666 that you were pointing out. Out of the 666. <laughs> and I know the lawmakers, I, you know, maybe somebody saying, hey, the numbers don't matter. It's, right, it's right. just a, but you know, we all know that 666, it's in the Bible, right? We all know the 666 is a symbol, right? Oh, you can For talk something. to me about the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm quite aware. Yeah. But yeah. you think somebody did that on purpose? I, I don't know. And I think I, I'm, I want to, I don't know. You know, is there someone that could that maybe said, hey, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's add one more or let's remove one. You know, let's just, sure. yeah. no, I mean, then somebody said, somebody was like, no, it's fine. It's perfect. 666. You know, I don't, I don't know, Pius. You know. It is Texas. I don't, yeah. And I am not a Texan natively, although I've been here for, for more than 10 years, but, um, I would not be surprised. I mean, people are aware of what that means. So. People are aware. People yeah. are aware. So I'm. I'd like to think that it, you know, common sense makes me want to believe that somebody recognized and somebody made a decision to to go with it. Say, oh well, that's what it is. It just happened to be that. That's fine too. So. I digress, Pius. Welcome to your podcast. Hey, no, no. This is exactly what it's about. <laughs> I I actually really, really appreciate when you and folks like you, you know, come on and talk about exactly what's on your mind. That is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, it's on my mind, I'll tell you that. But I, this is not about me and my, mm-hmm. and my thoughts about what's happening in Texas, because there's a lot happening in Texas. Um, but mm-hmm. as that's that's interesting. As you said, 
you don't look up every single piece of news article and yet you know what's mm-hmm. happening here. So mm-hmm. anyway, but you are Scott Stewart. Thank you for joining. It sounds like maybe, you know, I got you on here to talk about Texas politics or something, but no, that is yeah, not true. No. You, however, have a lot of expertise in a lot of things business related. That's what mm-hmm. I understand. Is that mm-hmm. true? And you're uh, talking to me from Chicago, the south side of Chicago. South side. Uh, all right, all right. How is Chicago <laughs> these days? You know, um, I love Chicago. I'm born and raised here. Mm-hmm. I'm interest. I'm interested in moving, oh. simply for the sake of waking up my spirit. You know, and you know, really jolting my brain, right? Mm-hmm. Shocking the body, if you will. But I never get tired of driving on Lakeshore Drive, driving northbound on Lakeshore Drive from the south side, and looking at the view of our city skyline over Lake Michigan with the tree-lined beach. Uh, That never, ever gets old. It's breathtaking every time I do it. Yes, Chicago has its challenges in many areas. And despite that, Mm. I... I have an affinity towards being born and raised in the third largest city in America, one of the world's greatest cities. I feel lucky to have this experience. Been to a lot of big cities. I think I've visited all the I think I've visit, visited all the major cities in the United States. I'm I'm mm. all the tier 1 cities anyway. <laughs> um Chicago is a great city. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great city. I love it here. So that's so that's that's what I think. Of. That's what's happening in Chicago. Um, I'm a I'm a certified Illinois State mm-hmm. Board Education certified teacher, mm-hmm. and I have about you know 15 years of Chicago public school high school classroom experience, mm-hmm. and then I come from what is deemed you know a poor community. We weren't poor, you know. I think we we were poor compared to same demographics of white America. We may have been poor, but we weren't necessarily poor. But you know, I grew up in what's what is considered a poor, under resourced neighborhood, mm-hmm. and um, I still have world class experiences, and I'm I know I'm lucky and excited about that. So that's a blessing. So Chicago. That's man. good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, you're proud of of where you've been, where you are. I think you are lucky to be there. I always wanted to stay in Chicago when I was younger, but I couldn't. I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. have the option. What was, I, I mean, I, I want to ask you about today, but I'm just curious then, what was it like going to school in Chicago? Did it inform you becoming a teacher later, an educator later? Hell no. No, no, uh, uh, not directly, indirectly. Sure. Yes. So in elementary school, I went to a Presbyterian, I went to a Christian school, right? Mm. You know, it was, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Black kids in in a poor neighborhood on the south side of Chicago being taught by primarily white, predominantly white settlers, right? 
And I'm sorry, Pius, because I'm just really, it's really kind of taking me back. Yeah. I did not connect with many of those teachers. Yeah. I knew I was, you know, really blessed to have parents that could afford me the benefit of going to a private school, the same school from seven, you know, first, you know, kindergarten through uh, eighth grade or first through eighth grade. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm lucky in that regard because I know I have a lot of friends or I know a lot of people who bounced around from three to four to five different elementary schools from first through eighth grade. And so I'm of the generation, I'm one school, first through eighth grade, and then one high school, which uh, the story about that is pretty interesting, Pius. Is I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the, you know, the top student in elementary school, which means by the time it was time to go to high school, you know, you had these tests you could test into high school. Yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't, I didn't have the, the test scores to get me into, you know, a, a good high school. So I had to go to my community school, my neighborhood school, mm-hmm. Pius, which was really, I don't know if you go back in history in 2012-ish, there was a story about a kid named Darion Albert here in Chicago who was caught up in a fight and they, you know, wound up getting killed in a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the school that I was supposed to go to, Christian Finger High School, Chicago Public High School. Those students and that that young man were students at this, this high school that I was supposed, it was really bad high school, really, really bad high school. And, but my dad who was a Chicago police officer, had some pull, you know, he knew some people and he was like, he's not going to that school. Um, and got me into a really good high school, uh, Morgan Park at the time. It was a really good academic high school. Now, the benefit of that, Pius, was as an average student, you know, if I was an average student at the terrible high school, who knows where I'd be today, mm-hmm. right? Because the average at a terrible high school is terrible. But I was an average student at a really good high school. And I think that was a tipping point for me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, I was around different people, different experiences, you know, kids who were getting jobs and had cars and who were being held responsible for, you know, being home alone. And I I learned a lot of different, I saw a different side of what I could have been exposed to. I saw a different side of being a teenager versus what I was being exposed to. And I know this, this may sound like it's a little bit all over the place, but see, my dad was a Chicago police officer. My mom was an adult educator, right? So she taught adults at uh, Malcolm X College, which is a Chicago city college. So blue collar workers, right? Educator, labor, right? Police officer, teacher, classic, classic family in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Dad's a police officer, mom's a teacher, or dad's a, you know, iron worker, mom's a nurse or something, an office worker, right? Classic, classic, classic. My dad really wanted me to avoid problems, me having problems for myself, me getting in trouble. So what he did was he introduced me to what bad people looked like and how bad people behaved. He took me out and and showed me what to look out for. He showed me what uh, needle users, what their arms look like. He showed me, he showed me what pickpocketers are 
look like and how you can avoid getting pickpocket or how they do it. He showed me hustlers. He showed me pimps and prostitutes, right? He showed me what to look out for, right? So that gave me a great strength, a street sense. My mom instilled in me, you know, kind of what you hear now, like my articulation, um, my ability to to write, mm-hmm. Uh, um, mm-hmm. my appreciation for books and studying. And, you know, so I had these kind of the best of both worlds. So I always had this kind of educational piece in me, like this piece of av- self-advocacy yeah. my mom instilled into me. My dad instilled the streets into me. And while I was, I think his intention was stay away from it during my teenage years, I was more attracted to it because I thought I knew it. Uh-huh. I thought I knew how I knew it. I knew what it looked like. So I thought I could play it a little bit. Luckily, you know, Pius, I had some people around me in the streets who were like, nah, man, this is this is not you. You don't, you know, we're not going to let you participate. But if you need us for anything, we know you're a good guy. Let us know and we got your back. Hmm. So I touched fire a couple of times. Never. I was just thinking this morning. I said, I never did anything bad. Then I started thinking about some of the bad things I did. Like, <laughs> okay. like nothing you can say I, on a podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, you know, one day. I, I stole my mom's car and drove it to school without a, without a license, right? Sure. Yeah. I you know I I boosted at a local department store. I got caught for that actually, you know, mm-hmm. and um you know uh, had to had to go to court and my my dad showed up and mm-hmm. got a you know luckily looky look 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 Pius luckily got a warning you know if it weren't for my parents, maybe I wouldn't have gotten a warning. I could have oh, been thrown yeah. in jail, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we I, I messed around with pot, you know, back in those days. But really, pot didn't come into the scene until college. And in high school, I think we, you know, we snuck some some alcohol at, you know, football games. Uh, you know, I snuck a girl in the house a couple sure. of times. You know, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's bad, but... But it's not... It's not, not really yeah. bad, is what I'm saying. Like I, I feel I like I wasn't breaking of, in, right? Right. A lot of kids do that and don't go see the police, kind of thing, you know? Right. And some people do a lot worse. Like we, yes. I wasn't breaking in homes. I wasn't robbing people. I wasn't beating people up. I wasn't, you know, stealing from, you know, women, old women, and knocking them over off the bus. Or, you know, and I wasn't doing the crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all relative, right? Like, sure. um, I'm thankful for my childhood in that, you know, I went to a, a really pretty decent high school, was went off to college, you know, eventually graduated, got had great jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But even in that, Pius, and this kind of this, all of what I'm saying leads up to the work that I do today. And most of that, Pius, I was being average. I was doing enough to get by enough mm-hmm. to not get in any trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I wasn't really ever tapping into my full potential, the fullness of what are my capabilities. I was just kind of going along. And I'll tell you this story. This is a story, you're hearing this story first. I've never shared this story. 
uh, on publicly. We're sitting with my guys one day. I'm probably 22-ish years old. And uh, we had bought a lot of marijuana this day, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, this is a term hot boxing, right? You mm-hmm. get in the car with a bunch of people, you roll the windows up and you smoke your brains out, right? And I remember on this day, and we did this, and I was like, guys, this cannot be my life. We've got to do something more than this. And things began to change for me in that moment. That was like my first time I was like, hmm. like this can I'm, I'm not I'm not choosing this life. I'm not choosing this life at all. I do not want to be I'm, I'm 22 or probably 20, you know, still in college. You know, maybe I'm in between. Maybe at this time I'm like in between semesters or something. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not doing this with y'all. And um, that's when things really started to change. I started to take control of my life, you know, and stop being a passenger on this train. That sounds so interesting, Scott. I mean, what was it about that moment? Was it really that moment or I guess a series of. Okay. Wow. It was it was it was the tipping point. That moment was the tipping point. You know, you know, it was a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted money. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that day I had, you know, my mom. I don't know. I, th- I don't even remember. But it was at a time when, like, maybe I had, because there was this one instance where I was driving my mom's car. My mom is, you know, single mom, right? My dad had mom and dad divorced. A single mom. She's, you know, really struggling to make it. You know, ends make the ends meet. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to keep it all together, but things are really falling apart, right? You know, the house is not being maintained the way it used to be, and you know, we, you know, sometimes it may be hot water. Maybe there's no hot, you know, just really stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And at this time, mm-hmm. my mom was like leaving me money. She'd go out to work. I'm at home, you know, not working. Maybe I'm in between semesters. Maybe I'm on summer break. I'm not really doing anything. But she would always find a way to leave me 10, 20 bucks. What I was, I had no, I didn't have real purpose. So, you know, the guy, we'd, put our pool, our money together and, and literally, and I think I said this to those guys that day is like, we're literally like setting this money on fire. Mm. We could be building something. We could be doing something. I think I was just getting fed up and it was just, I've got the gumption in that moment to say, I'm out. I'm Mm. not, I don't want this as my life. I don't want to be living off my mom. I don't want to be, you know, getting tender. I don't want to be one of those older guys that you see hanging out in front of the liquor store who seem like they're purposeless. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I, I didn't want to be one of those black men. I, I I saw myself as a successful black man, as a successful man. And I just was like, this ain't about to get it. I'm not going to be able to get there by by this activity. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So guys, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm about to get on with my life, and I, and um, and I did. What did your friends think about that at that time? Because I imagine that their friends are a big part of a young person's life. Did you have to change friends, or um, did they support you? 
I did. Well, I did change friends. You know, many of them be, you know, still kind of stayed in touch with, but yeah. definitely put a lot of distance between them and myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's always that, you know, if you don't have if you don't have the vision for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. There'll always be those naysayers like, oh man, he tripping, man. He, come on, he being a sucker, man. Uh, you know, whatever they say under their breath, you know. But I saw myself, and and Pius, uh, you know, you don't get this in the in the audio. But like, I'm six six, right? So I'm a tall, big guy, you okay, know. Okay. And so I'm a leader, right? And I'm a, I'm the influencer, uh, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I knew that as well. I knew that if I took a stance, huh. I knew that in the moment. I knew I was very cognizant of that. That if I took this stance, then I actually would have other folks kind of take a similar position. And so I grew the distance. But yeah, some people, some people came right on. Like, what are we doing? Like, and you know, we started, I started a couple of different t- kinds of businesses. Like uh, at that time, shortly thereafter, I started because um, I wanted to get in the music business and I'm still involved in, in some music stuff today. You know, so I I started an internship at uh, Motown Records, Polygram Distribution, and, you know, put together a small team of some, a couple of those guys were people who I was in the car with or hanging out with at that time. Uh, One of my good friends who has since passed away, uh, my homie Rich Franklin, we called him Big Rich because he also was a very tall guy, but he was a lot bigger than me. You know, he got real heavy in the music business, um, working with one of um, still a, a, a what we call a heavy hitter DJ, DJ Ferris. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he was his right hand man, and I think I, I influenced Big Rich in a lot of ways to continue to pursue pursue that route seriously. And uh, so we have those stories, but of course, the majority of folks went their own way. You know, right. lost a couple of people to gun violence and to the streets. And, you know, again, it, it doesn't make me regret my decision to begin to take control of my life. Yeah, for sure. I should mention again, of course, I mean, you advocate for youth education, especially in business mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. It sounds like you're trying to maybe reach the students who are kind of in your position. Is that right? Absolutely. As a classroom teacher, so let me uh, now look. We skipped I'm a, a few I'm, years. But. We skipped. We skipped <laughs> yeah. a lot. Like right. Yeah, but yeah. let me kind of let me try to piece it. So, um, while I'm in school, I'm disconnected from elementary school. Yeah. High yeah. school is a social party, right? Yeah. High school is fitting in, you know, being cool, dressing mm-hmm. fresh. Mm-hmm. We were Morgan Park High School, the high school I went to on the south side of Chicago. Known, it was a fashion show every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Fashion show. So that was a big part of my high school experience. And so all I wanted to do while I was in high school was get out of high school. The reason I went away to college is because I just wanted to get away from my parents. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a, a thought that maybe I should have stayed local and went to a, a local college and kind of got my GPA together. But mind mm-hmm. you, GPA wasn't even on my radar. I wasn't mm-hmm. caring about, I'm trying to experience life, right? And so I got to go away. I, I need freedom. I want to go be independent. And that was my big push to go away to college. 
So I go away to college. I, I eventually get the degree, right? I go into corporate and I'm working in corporate and I'm like, first day on the job, super excited. By the third day on the job, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I was like, what, what were you doing? Well, what was it? I was working at a bank, um, American National Bank at the time before it became Chase. Uh-huh. And uh, I was responsible for like, uh, what do they call them? Um, like the the ledgers, account ledgers, okay. making sure that everything, I had two different pages on, on each, the left and right side. And I got to make sure that the numbers are adding okay. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it sucks because I ain't even that person. I don't, I'm not paying attention <laughs> to the details. So after, you know, after every shift is like, you miss these, you, these are not right. These are, and I'm like, this ain't about to work. This yeah, is yeah. not, and I don't have eight hours to sit here looking at the, this is boring. This is not going to work. And I, 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 fi- I got myself fired from that. You job. got yourself fired. Okay. So you didn't yeah. quit, but okay. That's interesting. I, you know, you know, and, and it is, is the, I'm, I'm very, I'm trying to choose the words, right. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I got yeah. myself fired. I hated the job. Yeah. And so I started acting like I hated the job. And so I wasn't treating it with the respect hmm. that a, a, a fresh college grad would treat a job. I wasn't coming out of Harvard. Right. I didn't have that experience. I'm coming out of, you know, Columbia College, downtown Chicago, where I finally got my undergrad from. Mm-hmm. And I'm just doing I'm going through the motions of what I think you're supposed to be doing when you graduate. You got to get a job and then you got to find a lady and get married and, and you got to buy a house and then you got to have some kids. Mm-hmm. That's what I was growing up thinking that it was supposed to be. And, you know, I just was like, there's no way that I can stay at this job working in this cubicle and expect to retire at a time when I was very, I was an, I was a, I was a militant. I was militant minded. I was heavy into my, by any means necessary mentality, right? Like against the establishment, like the man is on my back. Mm-hmm. Literally at that, that time of thing, the man's got his foot on my neck, right? He's not going to let me, He's not going to let me up. It's the man's fault. It's, that's where my head was at the time. Right. And so the, the, the true story is I went to the Million Man March. So that's that that dates oh, wow. myself. The original Million Man March. Right, right. I went there and we left on a Friday. The Million Man March was like on a Saturday or Sunday. And then we're supposed to and we went by bus and I had to be back at work on Monday morning. Hmm. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, we'll be back. But it, we did not make it back into Chicago till Monday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling in. I've been on the job not even 90 days. I've already screwed up a few things. I've been late coming back from breaks and lunch, you know, just. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm calling in on this day after the Million Man March, like, yeah, I'm not coming in today. I'm sick. And then the next day I come in and it's like, hey, Thanks for thanks for giving us a shot. Like, here's your last check. You're you're done here. You know, it's just like, okay, you know. So, but it was good for both parties. Yeah, is that fair to say? Very fair to say. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'll never forget the experience. It shaped. It was partly shaped who I am today. Mm -hmm. So I had some more of those experiences where I actually got Mm -hmm. some more and better jobs where I was able to hone my skills, but. In 9-11 occurred, mm-hmm. right? 
I had gotten super sick with this rare disease called Guillain-Barre, but it's like a nerve disorder. It's something auto deficiency, nerve dis- nerve disorder. Mm-hmm. I was paralyzed. I was in the in the, my last semester of grad school. I had a great job at a electronic distributor. I was managing the entire East Coast sales offices in three provinces in Canada. Wow. You know, I'm making uh, had a sales sales responsibility of about four point two million dollars, making lots of money. Got married. I bought the house. Had the baby, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. right? You know, did and doing on the path, and yeah. I got really, really sick. And eventually, the the uh, when when I was able to go back to work, I couldn't go back in the same capacity that I was working. And then the job didn't really make it easy for me, so I cut those ties. And then nine eleven happened, the economy changed, and I was like, you know what? Forget corporate. In grad school. My instructors saw something in me and they were like, you should teach. Now, I had always thought about teaching, but I thought I would be like 70 years old after I had all of this experience. Right. Sure, yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm sharing. I'm, I'm going to be that old professor that they pay lots of money to go in and lecture. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be doing it at 30 years old. And um, so I did it. I failed miserably. You failed me, me as, as a public school teacher. No, this was at so this is grad school. So oh, okay, I was teaching okay. at Roosevelt University. Okay. My first ever teaching experience was at Roosevelt University. Yeah. It was a grad course mm-hmm. in marketing, my field my field of study. And I had students who I was in the program with. I graduated, they maybe were a couple of you know, you take different classes, so you yeah. graduate kind of at different times. Yeah. But there were students of mine, they're like, man, didn't we take marketing 101 together? Like, you my teacher now? Like, and and I wasn't mature enough for it. You know, I, I just, I wasn't prepared at that level. I didn't know what I was doing. So I did the two semesters and I told my professor, they were like, hey, stick with it. Like, everybody goes to this. I was like, I'm, I can't, um, I'm going to try you know, to uh, take a program that I created in grad school, I'm going to pitch this program to high schools and I'm going to I'm going to start my program there. Okay. And that's how I kind of got into teaching, because I met a principal who was like, hey, that's a great program. We don't have the money to fund that program, but we need a teacher and maybe you can bring this program to our school and teach it. Oh wow! And I was like, "Well, I don't have a teacher's degree. I didn't go yeah. to school. I don't, my degree is in business and marketing." Right. And they're like, "Oh, we have an alternative teaching program that says if you have X amount of work experience, it will suffice as your education right. experience." And that's how I became ISB certified, Illinois State Board of Education certified, and I'm still to this day an Illinois State Board of Education certified teacher from K through 12th grade. So, but my specialty is middle school and high school. Right. But that's kind of how I got into teaching in the classroom. It's a, it's a very weird <laughs> series of events that led well, me there. No, but that's incredible. I mean, Scott, I talked to a lot of STEM teachers specifically, and I feel like there are a lot of career changers there as mm-hmm. well. I think your story is more common amongst these fields where we don't have as much expertise. I mean, I'm kind of wondering, 
did you find that Chicago public schools had a good um, a good program educating kids in business and your expertise, or or was it something that was really needed? Oh, it was absolutely super needed. So I was teaching it. I mean, they had a um, Chicago public schools had a marketing cluster. Is how what they called it, where they were teaching students product based marketing. Right. Okay. What I brought to them was marketing, but market your business, like create a business and let's market that. Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, right? And then right after I started teaching, an organization out of New York expanded into Chicago, NIFTY, the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. And what they started offering select schools and teachers was a NIFTY certification. And that's what led me to uh, Columbia University, where I went for a, a, a week to get trained on this NIFTY certification and brought that experience back to the classroom. So now I have a robust curriculum plus my own insights and my own spin yeah. on it, yeah, yeah. right? And then that's when I kind of blew up. So that's when you start getting the awards. You know, Mr. Stewart, uh, is in newspapers. His students are winning business plan competitions, yeah. hundreds of dollars and thousand dollars. And then other school principals are like, really like, hey, we want you to come teach at our school. We want you to come teach at our school. So, you know, now I moved from my first high school, Dunbar High School Career Vocational Academy. It was a, and still is, you know, uh, a challenged high school, lots of fights, lots of gang activity. So I, I moved from there to a slightly better high school, but it was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. There was mm -hmm. the Small School of Entrepreneurship at South Shore. And that's why I really cut my teeth. Like they were focused on entrepreneur. We had tons of resources, lots of money, and we really, really inspired an entire generation of young black entrepreneurs. And and then from there, I went to the one of the final schools that I went to, which was like the Harvard University of Chicago Public High Schools on the south side of Chicago, Gwendolyn Brooks College Prep. Mm. And so you asked me, you know, did I feel like I was talking to young people like myself in every high school? Absolutely. Because these young students were growing up like me. They saw these were all schools on the south side. These were all black or Latinx students who had very similar challenges. What do I mean? Some of them, um, you know, were children of divorced parents. Some of them, you know, lots of, you know, you you can't be in Chicago and not recognize that Chicago is a gang town, right? Like, like LA is a gang city and uh, Chicago is too. It goes back to Al Capone. It didn't start mm -hmm. in the nineties or the two thousands, yep, right? Yep. So lots of gang culture here in Chicago, uh, lots of poverty, Lots of despair, but at the same time, we have beautiful architecture. We have some of the best cultural environments. We have some of the best education. We have Michelle Obama, Barack Obama. We have Harold Washington. You know, we have so much greatness. It, it, it just almost makes sense, right? You can't have that much dopeness without having some despair. You can't have left without having right. And so, you know, I just started to tap into these students in a way that I think no teacher ever 
got my attention. And what do I mean by that? Yeah. I really focused on getting to know the student. So instead of coming in, hey, my name is Scott Stewart, and I'm going to tell you about my life and why you should listen to me and everything that I've done, I've came in as like, yo, my name ain't even important, but in case you want to know is Scott Stewart, I really want to know what's going on with you. Who are you? What's your story? And from that, I'm, I'm, I just gave away a, a gem to any educators out there. That's where my start was. It ain't about this ain't about me. You're, you don't care about me right now. Do you do you want to share your story? And so what I also found pious in this environment is before young people will trust you or share with you, they got to know that you care about them first. Hmm. That's the that's the only way this works. And so all the teachers who start day one and they just start rambling, telling about the, all the rules, you've disconnected with the kids. My day one is I'm my name ain't important. But in case you want to know, it's Scott Stewart. Who are you? What's your story? And that that gets the vast majority of my students engaged in whatever I have to say first, because it's communicating. Hey, this guy cares about me. He's interested in who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's super important. Hmm. What do you do beyond that first day to show your students, your business students, your entrepreneurship students that you care about them to like keep them going? Yep. The next thing that I do that is it's just a constant loop is I own my mistakes. I own my I own my deficiencies. Like such as I'm transparent. Like um, you know, I'll give you the, the example is if a teacher is doing a math teacher is on the board and is doing a problem, right? And they they flub a a, a uh, equation, sure, yeah. flub a, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, if a student corrects them, right? Most teachers, and I'm saying this, most teachers will defend. Hey, or you're the type, that's not right. I'm, hey, sit down, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Most that's how most teachers respond in the defensive, hmm. right? And where I say, oh, I did. Let me let me look at that. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for letting me know because I do make mistakes. Sure, yeah. Or you know, in another instance, like Miss Stewart, you said. Marketing uh, includes these five elements, and I'm looking in this book, and it says it only has four. Oh, it's only four? Oh, uh, okay. Well, maybe I misread. Maybe I was reading from something else, or maybe I added something, or maybe, you know, I, you know, so my point is I will admit my mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I will be transparent about my mistakes and my mistakes and not project onto the students like they're out of line for attempting to correct me. One of the worst lines I, I hated hearing teachers say, and I hear it often, I still hear it today. And, and tell me if you've ever heard a, stu- a teacher, whether they said it to you or someone else, have you ever heard a teacher say this uh, to a student? Well, I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. I got my degree. You got to get yours. <laughs> I, I, you I don't think I've heard that personally, but I feel like that's awful. Oh, I've heard it. I've heard it time and time again. You don't have to listen to me. I've heard this is what the, you don't have to listen to me. I got my degree. You got to get yours. Wow. And I think that's just the that's the that's the epitome of you know dismissal. Teacher. Oh my goodness. Oh my. God. Everything that you could think of 
dismissal, ego. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, just like, yo, teachers, that's not that's not necessary. Kids sometimes and and they're acting out are trying to say, ultimately, I think they're trying to say, how is this going to affect me? Not as an adult. How is this going to affect me today? Mm. And mm. I think many times we as adults dismiss kids, right? Thinking they don't have anything to worry about. They're not going through anything. What could you possibly be upset about? You have nothing. And and a, and a five-year-old, a three-year-old or two-year-old, they have their own world where they're trying to figure it out and they have their own challenges. So they have perspectives too. If a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 19-year-old is distraught about something, who am I to dismiss their feelings about whatever it is they're going through because they don't have a mortgage or they don't have a car note or because they don't have a job. Yeah. And and I think teachers miss that. And that's an element that I bring to the teaching environment that's not taught in teaching school, whatever, you, wherever you go to get your teaching degree, mm-hmm. that, that part is not taught, that efficacy, that um, compassion. Did you learn that just... You know, I mean, you talked about your, you had an education, you had a rich education for sure, even if it wasn't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even if you weren't in the same schools as, as other folks sometimes. Is that where you learned that ability to have compassion or empathy or um, not just letting your ego get in the way? I learned it from being the student who dealt with teachers who were like that. I see, I see. And by saying, I don't want to be like that. Like, this is not right. I always say, Pius, you're going to learn from me. You're going, everybody's going to learn from me either. And I tell students this a lot. It's like, you're going to see me and say, Ooh, I like that. I want to be like him in that space. Or you're going to be like, I hate that dude. (laughs) I do not want to be like that in this space. Either way, they're both, learning experiences. You're seeing something that you like and you want to emulate it, or you're seeing something that you don't like and you want to make sure you avoid those behaviors for yourself. And that's, that's how I got it. So everything that you're telling me about your students, is this genius lab? Is this your program for teaching entrepreneurship and business? It is. Okay. It is. It's evolved over the years. 20 years, right? Um, like you said after yes. 9-11, you started thinking about mm-hmm. this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'll even say that this all started with my first teaching experience at the collegiate level, the okay. grad level at Roosevelt. Um, I was I was honing my technique, which I now call the steward methodology for teaching. I have a whole process for engaging students and I'm, you know, and developing and even training teachers how to have this compassion for students and student learning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is this is kind of what we do at Genius mm-hmm. Lab as we prepare young people for careers in business and technology, but more important than that, we're actually just preparing young people to adult, right? We're okay. preparing them to adult. 
And that's where this starts. Like adulting, you start learning how to adult as a kid. So however you're parented generally becomes how you parent. A lot of times we as parents, because I have children, we're, we don't sit down formally and train our students, our, our, our kids, how to adult. And they learn how to adult from our actions more so than our words. So what we're showing them becomes their behaviors that they take on into adulthood. I'm just doing it as like an ancillary organization program that can be instilled inside of classrooms all across the country. Hmm. But you incorporate that that adulting in your classes where you teach about the stock market or you teach them about technology. How do you weave that in there? Yes, I, in that. But I also have at Genius Lab, we also have a program, a social and emotional learning program called Lion Chasers. Okay. And this comes from the book uh, Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson. Uh, it's a book that kind of changed my life. I got exposed to this book within the last you know, 15 years or so. But the lions, you know, it starts off with the story about the gazelle crossing, you know, the jungle, and he hears the roar of the lion. So uh, across this path, so the gazelle never goes across that path because the lion roars. Mm -hmm. Uh, And time, years go by, the gazelle never goes by. And then finally, one day, the gazelle gets the gumption to cross the path of the roar you know, because the the gazelle needs to go and only to find out that the lion can't even run. The lion has no teeth. It's just a roar. And the lion was never going to move anyway. (laughs) Right. And so sometimes there, there are lions that show up in our lives that things that we fear, false evidence appearing real, right. (laughs) Things that we fear that prevent us from uh, getting to where it is that we're trying to go. So in my program, at a program at Genius Lab, Lion Chasers, we help young people address those things that we fear, like the fear of not being socially accepted. So the fear of not fitting in, the fear of being ridiculed, the fear of being judged, the fear of getting something wrong, the fear of being ostracized, the fear of not being loved, the fear of failure, the fear of success, the fear of whatever those things that are in your way. Anytime you say, man, I, I have an idea to do something, and but then you dismiss that immediately, that's a fear. And so we help them through the five pillars of lion chasing, which, you know, deal with the vision that you have for yourself and the, the truths that you tell yourself and uh, self-accountability and, and, and affirmations and, and, and those different elements to help you overcome those fears as early in life as possible, mm-hmm. which lead to you making better decisions in life, whether it's through stocks or, or investing, whether it's through business ownership okay. or whether it's through okay. getting a job. Yeah, yeah. It makes me wonder, did you have similar fears when you were young like that, where something could have helped you out? Yes. And that's... that's uh. I absolutely did. I had lots of those fears. I wrote a book for back in 2010 for my high school students called 31 Ways to Improve Your Life. Mm. I'm going to send you a couple of copies of it. Um, Maybe somebody, if they want a copy, um, they can call in or write into your show and they can get one for their young person. Oh, wow. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that book then. Yeah. 
So this book came out of like, these are, they're called stewisms. So an ism is a belief, right? Things that I believe. And I wish, these are things I wish somebody would have told me when I was a young teenager, Mm -hmm. right? And they're very short, easy reads. Like Stuism 20 says, we attract people like us. If you don't like whom you attract, change who you are. And these are supposed to be like thought-provoking proverbs, if you will, that make you think about your role and what's happening to you, what what you're experiencing in your life. Because we don't believe, I don't believe that anything is necessarily happening to you. I believe that you are a co-participant in this universal spiritual experience. And so we have to take accountability for ourselves, not look to blame others for what we are experiencing. You know, Stuism 19 says you have no room in your life for dead weight. Stuism 15 says don't worry about pleasing everyone. Most people care less about your goals and your dreams. You know, those goals and dreams, those are for you, not for other people. Stuism 29 says it's nothing until it's something. Um, and then and after each one, and I give a little explanation about what I mean by by each one of these isms. Sure. Uh, and the last one I'll share with you, Stuism 30. The most difficult part of success is leaving people behind who don't support your personal growth and development. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so that is tough for, for young people to think about, I feel like. Which which is why the, the curriculum supports the the book and the curriculum, because you have to kind of talk about it, yeah. explain, you know, they the idea is to have have young people be critical thinkers. That's part. That's the adulting part mm-hmm. to think critically. And I know schools are really, really focused on critical thinking. And I think one area where there's a gap is is how do schools help students think about critical thinking? Not for later in life, but for right now at fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, because that's a, we think that we're always just preparing young people for the future. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, but we're missing that they have real stuff that they're dealing with in their lives right now. Grandmom's sick. Mom is out of work. The lights are off, you know, uh, uh, uncle just got home from jail. You know, we're sleeping. We're transient. We don't know where we're sleeping tonight. How are you going to help me in school yeah. deal with what I'm feeling in this? Because nobody's paying attention to me because I'm a kid. But I have real feelings that we all know your adolescent years kind of determine and become what you bring into your adult world. And that's why you have so many adults who still have childlike tendencies, right? Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. we're not really addressing these elements at the, in in adolescence during it. We're just, we're as adults, educators, we're dismissing all of that. We think these kids don't have anything to be worried about. And we, as adults say it all the time. You don't have any real problems. You you don't, you just have to go to school and learn. You don't have, that's, that's so, that's, yeah. So not true. I feel That's like so not true. There I feel like there are a lot of educators, maybe not every educator, but a lot of educators, especially STEM educators, who would be hesitant to incorporate 
more of this social emotional learning yeah SEL in their classes because maybe they just don't know how right the stereotype always Mm -hmm. is like the math teacher or the engineering teacher may not have that as good of a an ability to I don't know be social with or, or get to know or care about their students I don't know that that's true but if someone is hesitant if a teacher is hesitant or doesn't know how to bring that into their more technical classroom are there any mm-hmm. tips? I mean, they could go to your training, of course, but like, what what are some broad next mm-hmm. steps or tips for them? Okay, yes, Genius Lab. We start, and our our core product, our core subject that we teach is mobile app development. Mm-hmm. Right? We teach young people how to build mobile apps. A couple of things about which that. is very technical, very very technical. So, a couple of things we recognize that our goal is not to necessarily teach them, although we can. Is to expose them to it, Hmm. right? What we found was, first of all, I work in the black and brown communities, right? So the the reason why we're just getting these programs within the last five years, and that's a fact, because test scores were so low, many of the practitioners, again, we've overused this word, dismissed the population, Mm -hmm. because the test scores were so low. Oh, they can't get this. They're not equipped to learn STEM. That was the notion. I'm a STEM guy, right? I don't sit pro, I don't sit writing programs, uh, I don't sit coding all day, Mm -hmm. but I know enough about, I know how to develop enough to train Mm -hmm. somebody who wants to learn, right? right? The issue is, the issue is, and this I'm going to answer, like what tips? The issue is, if I don't understand the importance of math, science, reading, and writing, you coming in telling me about how to build this mobile app makes makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It does. This don't. Just give me my phone so I can send this text. Mm-hmm. Just let me watch TikTok or YouTube. I don't care. So okay, let's back up. Why should you care? I don't care about any of this stuff right now because I'm dealing with some stuff at home. Oh, let me first show you how to deal with that stuff because this is going to always happen in life. So first, let me help you take accountability for your life. And then you decide what you want to do with your life. And based on that, I can teach you anything you want to know. As a matter of fact, based on that discovery, I don't have to teach you anything. You'll learn it on your own, right? You'll have an affinity towards learning. So in essence, what Genius Lab has kind of transformed into is this place where students who aren't normally performing at the highest level are learning to re-engage with the purpose of learning, Hmm. The purpose of decision making. And now you say, okay, you understand where you fit into your world, right? We're we're planting seeds, right? That's what we're doing. We're planting seeds. I want to give you something to help you deal with today. I want to de- give you something to help you deal with this school year, right? And then you're growing up. You've got these seeds planted into you. So now it's college time. And what we're finding at Genius Lab, more and more of our students are saying, you know, I'm, a, I'm majoring in computer science. I'm majoring in business. Oh, oh, you've been you, we've been planning these seeds in you for the last four or five years. So now you're like, I see where you're going, Mr. Stewart, because our program, our facilitators are we're emulating, we're demonstrating 
what it is to live the life that we choose to live. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. how, what tips do you have? But the tip that I have is listen to your students. Listen to them. Ask them what they want to get out of this class, this subject. Right. We know that you have standards that you have to meet at the state level. You have to meet at your school level. But if you inject some of the things that they want to learn, the way they want to learn it, it will be easier for you to deliver the content that is required by the school or the state. Right. So that's a that's a that's a that's a gift that I'm sharing with the listening audience. Uh, An easy tactic is to ask the students, what is it that you want to get out of this history class? What is it that you want to get out of this mobile app development class, this web development class, this science class? What do you want to know? And you may have a kid, and this is where this is this is where teachers, some some educators kind of this is where it falls short, because you'll have a student say, Well, I want to learn about prosthetics. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we don't teach, we're not teaching prosthetics as opposed to saying, okay, all right, I'm going to go find some resources on prosthetics and where you can begin. And then I'm going to, I'm just going to constantly feed you that. Mm. And then I'm going to show you where you can go learn more on your own. And the only way I do more work is if you come back to me proving that you've learned or you've taken a step in the direction that you said you want to go. Right. And so what you what you have happen is a kid will come back and I'm using that real example. I want to learn prosthetics. All right. Cool. Uh, I found this kit. It's thirty nine dollars. I'll get the kit for you if you want to do it. Hmm. You know, get through these two, three videos. Come back and tell me what you've learned. So they come back and I've looked at the videos and I learned this, this. Okay, let me give you this kit. So they get the kit and they try to put something together. Right. They try this. You know, tinker, they tinker with this prosthetic kit and they either say, oh, this is cool. I want to learn more. Or they say, you know what? I realize "Ah, that's not me. I want to try something else. And that has to be okay because they're young. Like how many times have we changed careers? Right. right? right. Like that has to be okay. But sometimes we get so caught. Oh, we don't teach that. Oh, we're not teaching that. If you're in science, uh, let's say a. A language arts class, a, 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 a writing class, and a, you know, I want to learn about screenwriting. Oh, we don't do screenwriting. No, you got to change it to hmm. Okay, let me see what I can find about how to get into screenwriting. Matter of fact, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a lesson on screenwriting. We're gonna do a screenwriting, and you're gonna lead it, mm-hmm. right? That's how you listen to the kids. You empower them. You give them what they want without jeopardizing what you need to get through for the you know, state level, school level, uh, district level, wherever you are. And you find a way to do that. Without that, post-pandemic, after all this virtual learning, look, kids learn more on TikTok than they are learning in some of these classrooms. Because mm-hmm. TikTok can be very educational. Oh, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of great teachers on TikTok. That's the point. Teachers are now competing against YouTube and TikTok. It may sound funny, but it's the truth. People give away a lot of great information. And what's happening is these young people are deciding 
on what they want to learn. And they're going to find out as much about that as possible. And schools around the country, there are so many students who are Instagram famous, who are TikTok famous, they're social media influencers. They know more about branding without knowing the technical, theoretical terms of it. Right. But they know more about how to do These kids are making money. These kids are doing hair and nails and making clothes and, and, and selling shoes and know how to go vacation. They know how to book air. If we don't join this, this, this new method for delivering education, these kids are outpacing teachers. And what they know and what they're learning and how they're learning it. And if we don't get on top of it, we're going to be like Kodak. Mm-hmm. We're going to be like Blockbuster, right? As far as a system of educators. So I know that was a mouthful. No, no, I'm not that, pretty verbose, but that's, all right. that's it. Hey, speaking of TikTok and all that, are you on there? Can we find? Can people find you on <laughs> YouTube, TikTok, all the different social medias that, that young kids are experts on these days? Yeah, they can, actually. Um, there are times when I have more time on my hand to be a, cre- a content creator than not. And right now, I haven't been very much of a content creator because okay. I'm really, really focused. But yes, I'm on TikTok as I'm on TikTok at, at We Break Bread. Okay. Uh, I think I'm on I think I'm also on TikTok as uh, the real Professor Stu. Um, so you can look me up at Scott Stewart. Uh, Scott Stewart with a D.com at We Break Bread at The Real Professor Stu. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. All I'm right. on Google. I'm everywhere. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we know you've been teaching a lot of things, a lot of kids for a long time. I'm just wondering, speaking of the pandemic, how has that changed anything? Have you learned anything about how we got to change the way we teach kids because of it? Or Mm-hmm. I, you kind of already were talking about it, actually, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's anything else to add. Yeah, so I have some I have some pretty clear opinions about it, right? Mm. I have a daughter who the pandemic kind of you know she pretty much didn't attend school during the pandemic at all, right? And so now she's trying to decide if she's even going to be able. This is her senior year now, and trying to you decide if she can, high school high school okay. yeah okay. And so she's trying to decide if she can finish on time. And I think, um, you know, she did a lot of living during the pandemic, meaning, you know, again, her mom and I are not together anymore, but, you know, she traveled. Uh, We didn't against, you know, we (laughs) this wasn't by our choice. You know, I mean, she what she you know, she she traveled. She. She was adulting mm. during the pandemic. And so I have some very, very strong opinions about how we need to educate. And, and there is a generation, I think, that we're, we kind of lost, right? And as a half a generation, I think we lost. Um, if you're in school, if you're in high school right now, I think that generation is the generation that kind of changes things. So your ninth through 12th graders currently, as of this podcast, mm-hmm. That I'm almost, you know, want to call it the lost generation, the pandemic education lost generation or something, because they're kind of over it, right? Um, we're forcing them to be in the building and and sit. While some students, that's fine, 
I think there's a, a good number of students who are like, look, I don't need to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me what I need to know to get to where I'm trying to go. And the answer that we're all saying is, you know, you got to get educated. I don't care that you, if you wanted to, you know, I talked about doing hair, you want to be an esthetician, right? You want to be, um, you want to go to, you, you want to take care of, um, uh, animals, right? You gotta go to school, right? You gotta get some, some level of education for that. And, um, with the cost of college and things, right? Yeah, um, that's exactly what I was saying. thinking about while yep. you're talking about it. Yep. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out how to avoid the cost of college. So yeah. the answer, I think they're going to be a lot more certificate programs. I think there's an opportunity for the professionals who own those like medical facilities or whatever, where there's dentistry, mm. um, to offer some, some, um, certificate programs. And then I think a lot of the classes need to be made available virtually and asynchronous, meaning give me an on-demand kind of like Coursera or Udemy had been doing anyway. I think that's on the uprise. I think we're not appreciating that our cell phones are computers. In many cases, some of these cell phones cost more than laptops and tablets and they have the power of the computer. So you can learn anything, anywhere. You don't necessarily need to be sitting in a building for six and a half hours a day. Mm. And I think that's the change that we're going to have to continue to prepare for this upcoming generation. Our middle schoolers and, and younger are going to be more about you know, these tablets and learning on the go, learning more often, you know, learning at nine at night, you know, learning at six in the morning versus it has to be during school time hours. Mm -hmm. And I know that's, there's a lot to figure out there because who's going to watch the kids, right? Uh, So daycares will still be important, but how even daycares are engaging kids is going to be a lot more mobile, on the go, asynchronous virtual learning. And I'm, I'm hopeful that educational leaders in this country will embrace that as opposed to uh, not embrace it. Other, another teacher I just spoke to was saying something similar, and she was coming from the perspective of even as teachers, it would be nice to have the choice to work from home sometimes, or um, you don't necessarily have to be in person all five days a week. You don't. You don't. Yeah. You don't. It doesn't it doesn't even make sense today. And in Chicago, far more so in Chicago, I don't know if you're familiar, but you know, Chicago was on strike prior to the pandemic. So oh, right, the fall right. of 2019, Chicago students were on strike from like mid-September to like the first of November. It's like the whole month of October. And I think maybe even half of November, students were on out of school, no instruction, mm-hmm. no instruction. And then they went back and then Christmas break and they went back January, February and then March pandemic through June. And then the entire school, the next school year. So Chicago students have been out of the classroom basically for two years. Right. Right. And you didn't have fights. 
not in the in the building. You didn't have deans writing students up, right? You didn't have detention, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm just really interested to see how students in Chicago specifically reacclimate to having to listen to a teacher, tell them mm-hmm. what to do, having being forced to sit down for these hours at a time. Because they're coming back. They're in person now, right? They are in person right now. Okay. Uh, second week. Second week. You know, I'm just really curious to see how this plays out. And just going to the next level, I guess one of the last questions I wanted to ask was about college. We spoke about how college um, is on the minds of a lot of folks. I think especially for my audience, when we're talking about engineering and engineering educators, college is almost a necessity for a lot Mm -hmm. of engineering fields. And it is, Mm -hmm. to be fair, for a lot of the fields, not every field, but Mm -hmm. do you think college is worth it? And especially nowadays, I've heard a lot of college students saying, hey, they're taking a lot of classes virtually anyway. It's, why are we paying all this money to just, you know, stare at the screen when I could be learning from another screen for a lot mm-hmm. cheaper? Yeah. Huh. Great question. So uh, nine months ago, I thought the answer to the question about. So one, college can be worth it. It can be. It's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it can be worth it to those fields. If you're going for, you know, med fields, you're going to some technical field like engineering, some science sure. field. Absolutely. You have to go to college. Right. I, and nine months ago, if you just said, well, why am I paying so much? You know, I'm looking at the screen. You know, yeah. you're not paying. It doesn't you're paying for the knowledge. The knowledge is where the value is. I don't care if you're sitting in front of a screen or not. You're mm-hmm. paying for the knowledge. So. Whether my my prices during the pandemic increased, I don't have to be in person. It takes more time. It takes sometimes. more time. And the value of what I'm giving is just valuable, period. It's just that the value is in the knowledge, not whether or not it's in person or not in person. But because of, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm exposing this even for myself in this call, this is a freestyle moment. <laughs> because of platforms like TikTok, right? who are giving away so much valuable information for seemingly free, the, the viewers aren't paying for it. It makes sense. That, 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 that point makes sense. It's like, well, why do I, I got to pay for all of this when I can? And so now it's going to come down to the quality of your education. And what is the value of that? Yeah, you can go ahead, go over there and get that for free. Go ahead. That's fine. But then compare, put put you up against a person who got a higher quality of education that was more technical with a practitioner helping them understand the nuances of this field or this subject matter versus the free version that you got. And then let's see how that shows up. At the end of the day, what it's going to come down to is not necessarily the teacher or the teaching platform. I believe in this moment that it's always going to come down to the the student, the educate the, the student being educated. This goes back to the point that I said earlier in the podcast. Like, yeah, I don't have to be the teacher. If yeah, you want to yeah. learn something, you're gonna dig, dig, dig deep into it, right? 
versus somebody just going through the motions for the sake of saying, I got a degree. Those are two different. They both got degrees, but they have they're fueled by two different purposes. Right. And it's always going to come down to how bad do you want this thing? How much of this thing do you want to know? How do you want to be perceived in your industry, in your field? Right. The value of the education is going to come down to the student, the learner. And that goes back to what we're doing at Genius Lab. We're trying to have students understand their role in it, their role in learning, their role in being critical decision makers, critical thinkers to make these critical decisions. And that in turns to the adulting piece. And I, I don't think I defined adulting. Pious, not not ad- specifically, but sure, yeah. You can let define me, it. Just, just, it's very simple for us, for, for, for the sake of this conversation. Adulting is being able to do what it is that you want to do while enjoying life and having the, the financial means to do so. I want to do whatever it is I want to do without hurting anybody else. And I want to enjoy as much of life as I possibly can. I want to be responsible. I want to take care of my stuff. I want to be free and I want to enjoy life. That's what we're all, I think, on a very bird's eye view. That's what we're all attempting to accomplish. You don't have to wait to 30 to start doing that. You can start enjoying life and and having impact on life at 12. That's some good advice. I, I hope teachers figure out how to spread that to their own students. I feel like that's a, a skill that you have that I can hear in your voice and everything. So I'm glad that you're out there educating kids. Man, thank you. I know we were we were all over the place today. <laughs> that's all right. so much. It's so much. It's There's so a lot. much. Yeah. It's that's my lot. fault. I'm I'm not staying focused, but I, I just wanted to hear what you what your story was. So that was good. Oh yeah. It's it's good. I'm I'm glad we had this conversation. Trust the Genius Lab Likewise. curriculum is thank you. The Genius Lab curriculum is very structured, very organized, very focused. We have a method to our madness. And um, yeah, where do people yeah. learn? I, I don't say, but how do people see those details? How do they learn more about uh, Genius Lab and what you do? GeniusLabChicago.com. Um, schedule, you know, go visit our website, schedule a time to uh, get an in person presentation. I'm sorry, not in person, but a personal virtual. Presentation. It'll be yeah, virtual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can do a presentation and I can send you, if you're interested and want to see the statistics of our work, I can send you our doc. That's not on our website, but okay. I can send you the, the deck and you can check it out. And anybody you know who's in front of students should definitely consider making Genius Lab a part of your youth experience. All right, Scott, thank you so much for joining me and good luck with what you're doing. Pius, thank you for having me and continue to do the great work that you're doing. This is a wonderful platform. Thank you. That was Scott Stewart, founder of Genius Lab. If you want a free copy of Mr. Stewart's book, 31 Ways to Improve Your Life, for you or for your students, message me or the show over Twitter or email, and I'll pick the winner at random to get the book over the next weeks. Find links to lots of things that came up today in the show notes. Also, find all this at the podcast website, k12engineering.net. 
The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast comes from my creative studio, Pios Labs in Austin, Texas. At Pios Labs, I make podcasts, program educational technology, train professionals in engineering and education, and more. Follow Pios Labs all over the internet to stay updated. That's P-I-O-S-L-A-B-S. Thank you again to people donating on Patreon to Pios Labs to support this show. You're STEMtastic. And I'd truly appreciate any support that any other listeners can give to help me keep this project going. If you can donate too, sign up at patreon.com slash Labs. Rate the show and leave a review if you haven't yet, wherever you're listening. Thank you to Sherry and to Arlie for writing the latest reviews on Apple Podcasts. That's awesome to get that feedback, and it means a lot to me. Okay, that's it for now. Good luck this year, everybody, and until next time. Don't forget to check out The Engineer's Guide to Improv and Art Games. Yeah, you might not be doing as much in-person games right now, but hey, it's coming back. I have hope. We're going to have our masks on, get our vaccines, get all this back to normal, and then you can play your improv games again. And what guide will you use to help you connect improv to engineering thinking and creativity? You're going to use my book, Engineer's Guide to Improv and Art Games, recently updated and also now as an audiobook. So if you don't want to read my words, you can hear me say them uh, if you'd like. Check it out. <laughs>